You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. As we're quickly coming up to the end of the year, our conversation today will give a recap of county advocacy and achievements over the span of 2022 and what's on the horizon heading into 2023. I'm your host, Kate Pierce-Nims, NYSAC's Multimedia Specialist. We're joined today by our very own Legislative Director, Ryan Gregoire. Thanks, Kate, for having me on today's show. Happy to have you, Ryan. So earlier this month, we had federal and state elections. Can you give an overview of the results and what they mean for New York State? That's a great question, Kate. And, you know, you're absolutely right. The 2022 elections that just occurred resulted in the state legislature, both houses, retaining their supermajorities. So what that means is the Democrats in both chambers will not only maintain majority control, but they'll also have the ability to override a governor's veto if they so choose. That's more of a formality. I don't expect either house to utilize that power, but certainly it is possible. And you know, one of the the key takeaways that I did want to mention is that um, we are going to be seeing a number of new members in both houses and within our congressional delegation. In fact, 50% of our congressional delegation has been elected since 2020, meaning they've only served one term or less. So that's a pretty uh, significant portion. And in fact, 35% of the entire delegation or nine members are brand new members of the congressional delegation. On the assembly side, while there are still some races to be determined, again, the Assembly Democrats will hold their supermajority status. And it and the Assembly is very similar to the congressional delegation, whereby 40% of that chamber are new members since 2020. In the Senate, same case. There's still one race that we're waiting for out in central New York, but the Democrats will maintain at least 41, potentially 42 seats. Uh, resulting in a supermajority for them as well. And 42% of that chamber has only been in office since 2020. So what that means is NISAC staff and our county leaders will have a lot of, um, a lot of educating the new members of the state legislature on what exactly a county is, what a county does, and why it's important uh, for NISAC to continue to represent the united county voice of all 62 counties. So again, great question. A lot of new folks coming into the legislature. Again, uh, the powers at play that we've seen the last couple of years uh, maintain their control in Albany. And we expect uh, them to continue to engage in a productive manner with Governor Hochul as she begins her first full elected term in office as our new uh, governor. And we're doing a lot of forward focus advocacy. We're preparing for 2023 in the new legislative session. I'd love to take an opportunity to look backwards a bit. Uh, The 2022 legislative year contained many successes for counties. Can you describe some of the key outcomes from this session for our listeners today? Yeah, another Great, great question, Kate. We really, over the last few years, have been able to build off of success. 
and that includes 2022. Starting with the state budget, we were successful in eliminating the sales tax diversion for both the Distress Hospital Fund and the AIM program. This saves the 62 counties of the state of New York roughly $250 million a year. That is a significant victory for both the counties and New York City. Coming out of that discussion, you know, the, the remainder of session, as is the case every year, is focused on what we can achieve on the legislative front. And we actually had several uh, pieces of legislation that we authored, but also supported, which ended up passing through both houses, including a bill that would require health insurers to accept claims submitted by county health departments for rabies treatment and exposure. This was a win for counties because right now we have to pay the full cost of rabies treatment if an individual was, say, bitten by a rabid animal like a fox or a dog. This will now require health insurers to cover that cost, which frankly should have been the case all along. That bill has passed both houses. There's another bill that was sponsored by a former NISAC president, Sandy Galef, in the Assembly. She's retiring at the end of this year. But that would allow counties and municipalities to value new construction of condominium projects as, as uh, individual units collectively. And what I mean by that is, if you think about when a town or a county values a residential property, say a single family home, you're assessed on the full value of your single family home. Well, in a condominium project under existing law, they don't have to value the sum of all of those individual units. They can take the building as a whole to reduce the tax burden on that condo project. That's not fair for other residents and businesses in your county because those folks are forced to shelter a larger piece of the tax burden. This bill fixes that to reassess new condominium projects going forward. Doesn't do anything to the old system, but it really fixes the real property tax law for new condo projects. Again, all it does is kind of streamline the process and uh, create a little bit more equality in the system for collecting taxes. There is also another bill that would um, allow for shared services projects from prior years to be included in the current year or in future years. So that should help the shared services plan um, and the shared services initiative that counties apply for every year. And then one last bill that I wanted to highlight, which would uh, allow mobile crisis response team members the ability to put a green light, a green emergency light on their personal vehicles while responding to emergencies. So you probably have noticed on the roads when a volunteer fire member is heading to the fire department, they have a blue light or maybe a red light uh, to signify you know, that, that they're heading to either the scene of an incident or heading to the fire station to get in the fire truck to respond. This is essentially the same thing, but it would be a green light for mobile health, mobile health crisis response teams. So again, that's a bill that NISAC supported. We were happy to see that pass both houses. So again, all of this legislation is passed both houses. We're actually waiting for all these bills to be delivered to the governor. She still has about 50% of the 
a number of bills that have passed both houses to act on before the end of the year. And just as a reminder for our listeners, if the governor uh, does not act on a piece of legislation by the end of the year, then what happens is she has the ability to do what's called a pocket veto. And basically that means if it's delivered under 10 days, so any time after December 20th, she could, in theory, just allow the bill to die without signing or without officially vetoing a piece of legislation. Doesn't happen very often, but it's a possibility. So we'll have to see. Of course, we're encouraging her to sign all these. I do not see any reason why the governor won't sign these bills. Um, They were either supported by the chamber directly, or they've just been slight modifications to something that the governor has proposed. So I fully expect all of these to be signed into law. And so when you say she's got about 50% right of bills, the, there was a total of 1,007 bills passed through both houses during the yes. legislative session. A lot of bills. Yes. So that's a lot of bills. And there's a lot that NYSAC has a vested interest in. And of course, the counties of New York State have a vested interest in. Um, can you dive into what this means for county leadership if these bills are signed by the governor before the end of the year? And by the end of the year, it's few short weeks here we're coming up we're like i said mid-november we're towards the end already we're towards the end she has a lot of action to take and that's you know uh, i'll say that the last couple of weeks i have started to receive a lot more correspondence from council's office uh asking nysac for our opinion on legislation trying to figure out what the county impact would be and you know the the governor's office and the state agencies and the state legislature they look to NYSAC as a resource almost. If they don't know what the county impact is, or if they're trying to understand how this would work in, you know, once it's operationalized, they come to us. And of course, we reach out to county members if we don't know the answer to get their feedback as well. So um, again, the state legislature passed 1,007 bills. That's more bills than in any time in the last 20 years. So it it was an enormous volume of legislation. Uh, The governor has somewhere between three and 400. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but she has a couple hundred bills still to act on. And that includes our priorities, but it also includes some legislation that would have a negative impact on counties as well. So, you know, we, we continue to weigh in on the governor's team on this legislation. And I should note for our listeners, we have a report on our website. It's called the Pass Both Houses Report, and it talks about the impact of legislation on counties. And we update that constantly to reflect whether or not the governor has signed a piece of legislation, whether it's still pending delivery, or whether or not she's vetoed a bill. And that really, it's about a 20-page document, but it it highlights and it includes a snapshot of all the bills that are of interest to county governments. So I encourage our listeners, check that out. You can find it on our website, nysac.org, um, just to stay in tune with you know what's still out there, what's lingering out there. Right. And to keep an eye on the priorities and what's, what's coming down the line. Yeah. Right. And so NYSAC serves as the United voice of county government in New York State. And looking ahead to 2023, there are continuing challenges that we have in our sites, a tight labor market, rising inflation, a slowing economy. 
let's discuss NISAC's top priorities for continued advocacy for funding and flexibility for counties in the upcoming year. Sure, Kate. Um, and I also want to say that, you know, coming into this upcoming budget negotiation is going to be different from last year. The state does not have $40 billion in excess funding to play with. So we're we're going back to a time where it's going to be a little more tricky to try and get some funding from the state of New York. Um, but that's not to say, to your point, that we still have plenty of issues that we need addressed. One of which is uh, public defense in Article 18B attorneys. These are individuals who are part of a county's assigned council plan. They provide representation to indigent individuals in cases where there's a conflict. In most, that's the way that it's structured in most counties, where a public defender or a conflict defender isn't able to represent an individual. They would be represented by an 18B attorney. Some counties still have just an 18B program, but regardless, what happened over this summer in New York City is a bit concerning to us. There was a settlement in a court in the city of New York that uh, was settled in July of 2022. It doesn't impact counties outside of New York City yet, but we expect it will. And what that settlement did was it doubled the rates of an 18B attorney. There's two different rates right now, depending on the case that you're assigned. But most cases, you're either paid $65 uh, or $75 an hour. And this case doubles that cost, which will shift about $150 million to the counties and city of New York. We're asking the state to pay for that increase. And here's the reason why. About a decade ago, the state settled uh, what's called the Hurrell Herring Settlement because it was found that the counties were not appropriately providing indigent legal defense services to clients. So, and that's because that's a federal requirement. Gideon versus Wainwright mandates that we provide uh, counsel if one, if you cannot provide it. That is delegated to the states. In the state of New York, they have delegated that down to the counties. Until Harrell Herring settlement occurred, the state wasn't adequately paying counties for public defense. We weren't able to adequately provide representation according to the settlement. So the state has been putting in about $250 million to pay for county public defender and conflict defender offices, but it doesn't cover the cost of the assigned counsel program. So um, if we're going to look at increasing the rates for 18B attorneys, we need the state to be paying for it. It's part of the indigent defense program. It's no different, frankly, than a public defender or a conflict defender. Another couple key top budget priorities this year. We want to build on the success of Operation Greenlight and what the governor did last year in her budget for county veteran services. We're looking for the state to increase funding to county veteran service agencies to a minimum of $50,000. And we want to increase the base aid for the Joseph P. Dwyer grant program to $185,000 per county. Right now, Dwyer funds are not al allocated equally across the state. So increasing this grant to $185,000 will level that playing field. 
combined, this cost the state only $5 million. It's a very small appropriation, but we think it can go a long ways. There's also one other item that I wanted to highlight for our listeners. This year, every single county sales tax is up for reauthorization. We need to pass the extenders. But what we're looking to do instead of passing extenders is to just grant sales tax authority permanently. Don't make us come back to the legislature to ask for reauthorization of an existing sales tax law. If we lock it into place now, we can still require the counties to pass it locally, but we shouldn't need to come to the legislature for this. So those are a couple of our top budget priorities. Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, our number one priority every year is preserving the Medicaid statutory cap on counties. That is a huge priority of ours. It always will be. And in that vein, you know, we're really asking the state to do no harm to counties and local taxpayers. Being a partner with county government means working with local governments to reform services or programs without shifting the cost to us. That's why we're asking for uh, do no harm to us. So those are those are a couple of our priorities coming into next year. There's going to be a lot more. Um, certainly, I have a lot more on my list. And all of our listeners can review that content in a couple weeks, Kate, when we publish the 2023 uh, legislative program after our board approves it. So stay tuned for that as well, listeners. Uh, you'll be getting a copy of the 2023 legislative program, which will include, of course, all of our budget priorities as well. Great. And that's a phenomenal document that, like Ryan said, our members can look forward to. As we're coming to the end of our conversation today, is there anything else that you would like to highlight for our membership at NISAC and the New York State County audience? Yeah. So um, just to recap for everyone, we've got 30% of each chamber of the state legislature that are brand new members. We've got 50% of the congressional delegation. We had a lot of victories in last year's session. We had a lot of victories in last year's budget. We have a lot of priorities coming up, a lot of carryover priorities that we need addressed. This is a perfect opportunity, if you're a county member listening to this podcast, to engage with the NISAC team to help us educate your state delegation on what matters for counties. That could be, that could range anywhere from your public safety departments to your public health departments in the response to COVID. If you have a county nursing home, why it's so important to invest in county nursing homes, uh, you name it. Uh, public safety as far as 911 communications. We run most of the 911 PSAP locations across the state of New York. There are so many different components of county government that our state legislature and our congressional delegation just may not know about. We're, we're a very complex uh, government organization here in New York, which is different uh, than a lot of our peers across the country. So I encourage you to engage with NISAC. Um, we always have an open door policy. Let us get to you the resources that you can use to influence, engage, advocate with your uh, state delegation. So that would be the one takeaway for everyone. Use us as a resource to help you do your jobs. And I know I said it before, but NYSEC is the united voice of county government in the state of New York. We are, yes, 
every all of our issues are approved by uh, the entire county delegation at our conferences, which is bipartisan makeup. We represent every single county and our board of directors signs off on the legislative program. So at the end of the day, the issues that we're pushing for here in Albany are we're representing every single county. And and that is the beauty of NISAC being the united voice is that we're here to represent an issue that affects everyone. So whatever that issue might be. I just want to take a moment to thank you, Ryan, for your time and expertise today in having this conversation and educating and working with our membership to push forward uh, county advocacy and county priorities. And I would also like to take the opportunity to encourage our listeners to use our website as a resource to stay connected with advocacy materials like fact sheets, reports, legislative updates from the county perspective. You can also tune into our social channels to get short bites and short updates and stay tuned via this podcast, our videos. There are lots of ways to engage with NISAC, so I definitely encourage you to do that. And I know Ryan would as well. Yes, and if you're unsure, you can always call us at the office and we'll connect you. But there's, to your point, Kate, there's a lot of material out there. And we just uh, are always happy to point our county members in the right way, in the right direction, if it's helpful for them. And we're excited for the opportunities that are presenting for 2023. So stay tuned to the podcast for more updates on legislative advocacy and what to expect in the year ahead. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you, Kate. Thanks for listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.